Look at the adjective. Play. Now is the franchise going to take the Viagra? Oh, going to put the butts in the seat. Hello there, wrestling fans, and welcome to episode number 73 of Because WCW, the podcast where the big boys play. My name is the Twisted Genius, Dean A.S., and I'm joined as ever by sports columnist, features editor of Hooked on Wrestling, .co.uk and long-suffering Charlton Athletic fan, Liam Happ. Good evening, Liam. How are you doing? Yeah, you just had to bring that last part up, didn't you? I was just about to praise you, Dean, because you're, you're on quite a hot streak of not saying things like sports communist or yeah. blue tick wanker. That's or, my favourite. Or yeah. making it sound like, like I'm esteemed, like I'm, a, like I'm a tub of broccoli or something. And uh, you had to just go and rub Charlton's situation in my face, didn't you? Well, you lost. We won this weekend, so. Oh, yeah. it's 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 about more than just a loss. So, that, like to to bore. But now you brought it up. I'm gonna bore our listeners. Basically, during during the week before the match, the uh, the court decided there'd be an injunction. Uh, it was initially turned down, but then the appeal got it uh, reversed. And that means basically that Charlton are going to continue to have a big soap opera squabble over their ownership, uh, necessitated by Cowboys with links to Berry, you know, that team who mm-hmm. ruined so much they got kicked out. And the courts decided that those guys can continue to do similar crap at Charlton, who are already under a transfer embargo because of this, who are already super uncertain. And it's stopping a guy by the name of Thomas Sandgaard, a Danish uh, entrepreneur, from buying us. And who knows if he'd be particularly good, but he's the money's his own and he's very enthusiastic. So he'd be a billion times better than the long list of cowboys we've had. So on top of that news that we're going to continue to operate in purgatory and we're going to have a a cloud of administration looming over us the whole way, the side that cannot be uh, bolstered by people being brought in were absolutely wrecked by Doncaster, who are, you know, they're they're going to be a serious side this season. And their third goal was scored by a striker, John Jules, who it was confirmed after the match would have been one of our signings if it wasn't for the embargo. So um, Arsenal sent him to Doncaster instead. And he he dances for our defence and lifts the third over the keeper. The, uh, the injunction thing just sounds like something involving Harvey Schiller and Eric Bischoff on an episode of Nitro, has to be said. Yeah, it's, uh, it's yeah. more depressing than late-era Nitro. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, with um, with a potential second lockdown on its way, it, it, could, it could mean that we are heading to a second golden age of podcasting, Liam. Yes, and a second scenario in which I want to throw myself into a wall in this house because my house turns into a prison. So, yeah, it's going to be fantastic. Yeah. But, um, you, you know, we were talking last time, it was our it was our third birthday last time we uh, recorded an episode. Yes. Yeah, well, I, I was I was looking through some, you know, I love a good stat, and I was just looking through the, the stats for um, for uh, the last year and so. And very pleased, you know, our listenership's gone up by a third, or by, actually it's gone up by 41%. That's great. But do you know, have, have a guess, right? Have a guess how many different countries we have listeners from how many different countries um okay i'll play it's it's gonna be an impressive number because i don't think you'd be crowing about it if not um 25 nope more than that more more okay uh 35 more than that oh wow 200 and two, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> I thought there's only 190 countries. Oh, is in that the world. where we are? I knew it was. I knew it was floating yeah. around the 200 it's, ballpark. I'll, I'll give you. It's 46 different countries. 46. But um, 47, if you count the fact that over the last year, and this is my favourite bit, we've had 91 downloads from parts unknown. Wow. That confirms it. Papa Shungo is a listener of yep. Because WCW. This is this is a great day for podcasting. Yep. 
it, it defines unknown as unable to identify geographic locations of these downloads. I'm taking that as parts unknown, the great staple of wrestling. Obviously. What else could it be? It's a wrestling podcast. People yeah. are listening from parts unknown. Open and shut case, if you ask me. Yeah. And also, I could, we could make it. Uh, we could make it 48 if we did what uh, Podbean does and class the Isle of Man as a separate country, which which I'm not. I think we should. Okay. We're, we're in the wrestling business, Dean. Let's embellish. Let's let's beef those numbers up. Bless the Isle of Man. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, this is this is looking good. Eight. We, we've got uh, yeah yeah we've got Japan in there. I mean, Did, you, have I ever mentioned is... that I've been to Japan, Ben? Have you? Yeah. Uh, I, wasn't, no, I wasn't aware of that. But, uh, ah, I'll mention yeah. it more often if, if that's the case. Fair enough. So, um, so yeah, so thank you. Thank you very much. Wherever you uh, wherever you download us from, whatever country you're in, we really do appreciate you uh, taking the time and trouble to download this. And as we always say, if uh, if you like what you listen to, then you can follow us on Twitter at because WCW. We've had some lovely feedback the last couple of weeks. Really like nice stuff that, that just without wishing to sound like a soppy old sod makes it feel worthwhile, Liam. You're a soppy uh, old sod. Yeah, I mean for you, yeah, you have to put up with me for a couple of hours a week, but then we get nice feedback and it makes it worth it. And um, yeah, we will, we will, we will continue plugging away. We have no intention of stopping this. We've uh, we've got plenty of guests in the pipeline that we uh, we need to pull the trigger on. So I'm not not like that. Obviously, <laughs> that'd be uh, that'd be a terrible, terrible podcast. I don't know. But, numbers might surge up, you know, before we get arrested for murder. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, we could just say we'll one one of our guests will be shot on the air this year, and you just got to listen to find out which one it is. Yeah. <laughs> Click yeah, you won't believe what happened to this guy at the end of his podcast. Um, but we are we are back with another Monday Nitro watch along today, and this one. So there was a it was a week without Nitro, which we didn't I didn't find out what the reason was. I've just realised. But we uh, we had April the first last time around, and this is April the fifteenth um, in in nineteen ninety six. It's the thirty first Nitro. And this, I do believe, is the last appearance for many a year of the babyface red and yellow Hulk Hogan. Well, I, I would say hopefully he just like has his little segment, bores us for minimal time and then rides off into the sunset before getting interesting again for another eighteen months. But I've I just I've got a funny feeling it's not gonna be that easy. Mm. We shall see. But um, yeah, what happened last time is Flair. We had Flair and Luger for the world title, didn't we? Yes, I'm getting a little bit worried that we've we've reached the end of the Sting Luger awesomeness already. I know there's not going to be much more to come from it because I I, I know that even before uh, Bash at the Beach '96 and and the threat of the invasion, check out that very recent episode awesome bumper length episode looking at one of the greatest moments in WCW history but I, I do recall that Lex Luger I want to say at the Great American Bash 96 he was a he was a babyface challenger for then champion the Giants so I, I know that we don't have long to go for it but I was really hoping we get a little bit more of this awesome Sting Luger dynamic and it maybe have a bit more of a a transition that made sense when Luger goes flat out babyface soon after, but by the looks of things, it might be over already. Oh, not good. Oh, we no. we were we were thoroughly enjoying the sort of babyface, sort of heel Lex Luger. Someone needs to bring it back. I th- I think the statute of limitations has passed. Someone should do a very similar angle because whenever oh, yeah. there's a whenever there's a little bit of um. Difference between two tag team title partners. Usually, it's always the same old tedious thing. They hate each other, they fight each other, but they still manage to easily beat an actual cohesive unit. There are so many other ways to go about uh, an odd couple tag team, but they mm. still were. You think of Samoa Joe and Magnus in TNA, and and there's uh, there's been other greats like Kevin Steen and El Generico in Ring of Honor. There's just there's ways of doing it without actually. Russoing it, so I really want to see the Sting Luger thing show up on WWE TV, but it's wishful thinking. Indeed, yes. 
Um, right. Well, if um, if you're ready, then we have got uh, our episode queued up here um, on zero 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 zero. As I said, it's Monday Nitro from April the fifteenth, nineteen ninety six. So, are you ready? I am ready. We will press play in three, two, one, go. Cue burning buildings. Oh, thank heavens for that, Dean. The burning buildings are back. After the last episode, I thought we were going to get put in a wild goose chase there. Well, they caught us unawares, didn't they? But um, this this is against the taped nitro, so maybe they're uh, taped raw, rather. So maybe they're uh, not as worried. Ah, yeah. They, they put their feet up. Although I'm sure the commentary will be on point with their little snipes. Oh, yeah. Well, Bischoff knows what he can slag off, doesn't he? <laughs> Oh, there Straight you go. Away. Forget that can stuff. This is real. <laughs> this is fresh. This is nitro. There oh, you go. He does Bang not disappoint. <laughs> he doesn't. We knew as soon as it was taped, Bischoff would be in there. Uh, and, speaking of bang on cue. Yeah, we don't even get to see what Mongo's dressed his dog up as. We are proceeding straight to Hulk Hogan's entrance. Do not pass go. Do not collect two hundred pounds. So so I think someone's already in the ring. I'm guess I think it might be in the Taskmaster. So we're going straight to a match here. I'm guessing. Yeah. As the feud that doesn't end. Oh, it's a tag match, isn't it? There's. No, this was the. um, If you remember last time, they said that they that the um, Booty Man had a, a great stipulation for him. And it turns out the stipulation is a match where the booty man doesn't appear, which, you know, I'm up for. I'd, I'd love to talk Hulk Hogan into going into handicap matches and getting beaten up. But unfortunately, we know what happens when he wrestles Sullivan and Anderson. Yes. Oh, he's trying to put on, look, a, I mean, what kind of a figure four is that, for God's sake? He, he has awful. never known look. how to apply that move, and it always looks awful. That was the worst, literally the worst figure four I've ever seen. So he's going for it again. Look, he can't even fucking get his legs. Oh, Jesus, that is horrendous. Arn on the floor. He's trying to sell, but he looks embarrassed. Yeah. Well, you don't try to put a figure four like that onto Ric Flair's best mate, basically, do you? Sacrilege, Dean. Sacrilege. I think um, Elizabeth might be dressed in black leather again, by the way. I know I know you like to be kept informed of this situation. Oh, the crowd are cheering and looking at the aisle. Something's happening. Yeah. Oh, here we go. That's it's booty the babe. booty babe. I suppose this is Hulk's way to associate himself with another one of the attractive females on the roster. Because Elizabeth's also, a heel, so he can't let over her at the moment. Yeah. But but also, right, if Hogan and Savage could beat eight people, then of course Hogan can beat two people. Uh, I am not going to miss him on the next three months of watch-alongs. I'm looking forward to them. This is dreadful. And you've also got Sullivan wearing the same colours as Hogan. And he's not even dressed like an old woman. And Hogan's now no-selling a chair shot. This is this is like some kind of swan song for Hogan. An ego-riddled swan yeah. song. We don't want you around for the next few months. I think he was making a movie, wasn't he? So we want you to kill two, two heels before you go. Because that's how the industry works, isn't it, Dane? Yeah, um, nothing. Not, not like he should be like... Being injured and being made to you know, look vulnerable and put the heels across as strong because they're going to be here next week and Hogan is, God no, perish the thought. Well, it's safe to say that his six-month midlife crisis on these early nitros is culminating here and it's it's not fizzling out. It's, it's going into supernova. Yeah. Oh, Jimmy Hart's getting involved with a few kicks now. It's like, you know, this started out as a nice idea and now it's just, it's uncomfortable for everyone. 
you know, it's like when your nan's round at Christmas and after a couple of sherries, she says something racist. <laughs> and you're like, man, you can't say that anymore. Yeah, Hulk, you can't do that. Yeah. Please, please go and shoot a, a, a Doom to Foul movie for three months. Any chance we could make it for? <laughs> Fa- thankfully, the, when it wasn't extended, what he came back to was a bit better. But yeah, it's funny if you think about it. Hollywood Hogan had its 18-month run of being awesome. And when that reached its natural course, even as a heel, we managed to get ridiculously obnoxious and overbearing, not in a good way. Yeah. This is literally nothing going right for the hills. This is this is the American equivalent of a big daddy tag match. I was just about to say, yeah. Handicap form where literally nothing works for the hills and the baby face is just offense, offense, offense. And he gets the pin. That was fucking dreadful. Oh, he's gonna hit woman, isn't he? He's throwing woman in the ring. We're trying to. Yeah. And Elizabeth hasn't changed her facial expression. She really doesn't understand this assignment, does she? She's she's in the ring. Now what's happening? He's stalking both the valets and threatening violence on them. And don't get me wrong. (laughs) woman, Woman is using Liz as a human shield. Beautiful. Yeah, I mean, woman's been healing it up as of late, but they've done nothing to deserve getting clobbered by a bloke in this particular scenario. They didn't even get involved in the match. Six three hundred pound bloke. I hasten to add, Jimmy Hart to the rescue. Oh my god, this this is so out of touch. Jimmy Hart's taking his jacket off, which surely is a signal. Oh, there you go. He's now decided. to get Jimmy Hart instead. Jimmy Hart, who's taken his son, thrown his sunglasses off, which means he's taken a bump. This is what, what always happened with me as a manager before I got contact lenses. <laughs> oh, Jimmy Hart had powder. And Hogan Not, no-sells that. Yeah, because it mainly went over Jimmy Hart. Are we sure Hogan's not actually turning hill here as opposed to Bash at the Beach? Not entirely sure. That's going to go towards my... I mean, I already made a slam-dunk argument that Bobby the Brain Heenan ruined nothing at Bash at the Beach 96. But I'm just going to continue to argue that he was here commentating on this and he saw how it was going and he knew Hogan was a heel already. Here comes the giant. Here comes the giant, yeah. At least this should be enough to write him off. I mean, they're clearly getting the giant ready for the title. Yes. So it makes sense that he's the one who, who takes Hogan out here. But it's just a shame we had to go through all that to get to this. It was quite embarrassing. But if they do an injury angle here... Oh, my... Oh, for, for crying out loud. He's no-sold the giant's choke slam. What is wrong with this man? T- the giant is... The heir apparent to the world title while Hogan's away on movies. And Bischoff's loving it. This this is why WCW died. Even if Hogan brought in the numbers initially, his contract and his ego was always... It was like selling your soul to the devil, isn't it? Yeah. It's always going to end up in your demise. And now he's just... He's body slamming the giant and he's having his way with everyone, including the giant. Body slamming the giant on nitros, which takes away any like pay per view intrigue. Mean well. Gene's going to knock him out. Oh. Oh, Mean Gene. He was going to body slam Mean Gene. Mean Gene did sneak up on him, to be fair. And Heenan says, opportunity of a lifetime. What was the fucking point of any of that? Seriously. Oh, man. This this whole thing sums up everything that people were groaning about at this period of time. Yes. 
Oh, and the mic's gone. Yep, WCW production. He's apologised to Gene for that. He thought it was Jimmy yeah. Hart. But he he's about to be gone for three months and he's done this. Ridiculous. Yeah, rather than he could have... When we saw the giant coming, we thought, oh, the giant's going to lay him out. That makes sense. That's yeah. why he was trouncing everyone else, because he has to get the equilibrium. But apparently, yeah. to, to Hulk Hogan, the equilibrium is... He, he beats up everyone and, and walks on out. It's, oh, it's just, I can't even find the words for it anymore. 25 years on almost, it's still embarrassing. Not only that, but with the shittest figure four leg locks you've ever seen in your life. And to make myself feel better, I'm just going to point out, he did ego-based things like this to make sure that he always got the lion's share of the revenue. He then proceeded to lose almost all that money to his ex-wife in the divorce. Ha, 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 good. That's what you get for making all of us suffer, you orange bastard. Yeah, but then he got all that money back by suing Gorka, didn't he? Well, they deserved it. Oh, man. Well, well, that's the end of Hulk Hogan on Nitro. For at least Forever? For, the, for, for a good few months. And, you know, when he's back... When he's back, everything will be done. Well, we're in Charleston, West Virginia. Yes. Country roads. And don't get me wrong, Dean. While I know they'll bring up Hulk Hogan five times a show every week, even when he's not there, I can handle that compared to what we just saw. I mean, that was just such an obnoxious, self-serving, pointless segment. And what happened Heenan's, to Booty Man? Yeah, I mean, Heenan's face looks pained by that. I don't know what happened to the booty man, but I mean, I think I think the stipulation or the, the type of match that he won't have any kind of appearance on the match is, is it gives my thumbs up. Definitely. What's that dog wearing this week? Um, a whole lot of shame. He's wearing a whole lot of shame. He's, he's got a little like a little cowboy hat, some kind of hat on. And they're they're talking about um they're now talking about the the macho man's money being being waved around yes. by uh by Liz and uh and it's nothing we haven't already heard before. They're really no. hammering that home. You know, Liz is letting Ric Flair spend all Macho Man's money. He hates Flair. That that feud's really going on long, yeah. to be honest. Yeah. I mean when I got divorced, I just uh, my, my ex wife took the bread baker. That was that was about it. She didn't you know, there there wasn't any cash to take. But, and I kept and I kept the cat. But with you taking the bread maker, that that's how you know how to hurt you, to be honest. Because yeah, if I was deliberately trying to to hurt your feelings, which I never would, don't get me wrong, Dean. But if I was trying to hurt your feelings, I'd just go straight to your kitchen and take all your best cooking apparatus. It was a shit bread maker, anyway. Fair play. So I just want to say on the subject of them going over the same lines, while we were talking about that, Mongo just uh, discussed Sting and Luger. It looks like they are going to keep resuming that storyline because Eric echoed the famous words, what is up with Sting and Luger? Yes, that is basically all they add to it every week. But at least Sting and Luger deliver the goods when they let them. So we've got the public enemy. And last time we saw them, Dean, they uh, were impersonating the nasty boys. Well, yeah, Johnny Grunge was dressed up as Brian Knobs. So, um, <laughs> oh, and here come the nasty boys. Oh, 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 did you see that? Oh, he properly twatted oh, him there. Two vicious shots to the back of the head with a yeah. trash can. Now, now let, me, let me just make something clear here. One thing you're taught in wrestling is if you are going to hit someone from behind so that, yeah, they genuinely can't see you, you should kind of not not lay in but you should make some kind of genuine contact so that you know it you've been hit and you sell it properly um but yeah they they most definitely made sure they made some contact oh absolutely and storyline wise that makes a lot of sense because obviously these two sides don't like each other it's a natural rivalry to be fair public enemy and the nasty boys and Last week, in that triangle match, Nasty Steiners, uh, Road Warriors, yeah. t- t- Johnny Grunge actually came out dressed as knobs, 
they attacked Nobso's incapacitate the ringside. And then in one of the most creative finishes I've seen, if you're going to do a schmoz finish, someone should repeat this. He went in dressed as Nice Boy Nobs and let Scott Steiner pin him. Yeah. It was great. <laughs> it was genuinely fantastic. Um, we have now got the dreaded WCW double double feature TV screen. Oh, it's now as I say that it's gone it's gone back, but you know, you know the, the double feature screen that yes. has memories horrible memories of that uncensored tag team match. And also we we recently covered the amazing Bash at the Beach ninety six pay per view. Um, and these two sides, I'm guessing that was when this feud was blown off between these two sides with the yes. dog collar match. And they used those screens there. But yeah, that, that was, you're right, that was a really crappy garbage match. Thankfully, from what I'm seeing here on our screen right now, these two sides are working a much brisker pace, stiff shots, all action. This is more along the speed of what we know these two sides can do in a, in a lawless tornado tag. Yeah, and this is... This is definitely your ECW era brawl because it is basically just hitting people with weapons and there's there's not much in the way of a story to this match. It's just it's just stunt show car crash kind of thing. The thing is, is with a match like this, I think to keep the audience audience's attention, you you have to go at a, <laughs> yeah, these shots Sorry. are yeah, no, fair play. It, they're only demonstrating my point. You have to go at a, a, a brisk pace and you yes. have to really lay in the shots because Sags otherwise it meanders. In, sorry, Sags just charged in at um, Rocco Rock from off camera. And it, it just was a really good visual there. Sorry, you're, you're saying, yeah, keeping keep a, a good pace to the match, yeah. you're saying. And I suppose to an extent, it can't really run too long because otherwise you're thinking, how are they still doing this? And you kind of run out of moves. But... This is a sort of match where you they, they benefit from operating at a sprint. Don't need more than six to eight minutes. Just shot, 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 punch, 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 moving all around the pace. And the, and the fans are into it as a result. Yeah, I've never seen the snapmare into a table before, but that's what they did on Rocco Rock. And he's he's broken the table in half, but it's a table that's been broken at ringside. So you can't really see it properly. I mean... I always thought if you're going to break a table, do it you know, in the middle of the ring or do it somewhere where everybody can see it. And you know, most of the audience wouldn't have seen that. It was a bit odd there. Yeah, I mean, you can get some really good table spots on the outside. A lot of the public enemy's famous table spots involve diving to the outside and putting someone through a table. And it does give you more options and you can get more creative. But yeah, it does have that downside. But it would se- it would seem a little bit weird if every table spot happened immaculately in the middle of the ring. It would kind of defeat the purpose of a of a innovative yeah. violence kind of match. Oh, and Rocco Rock there went for a a Sabu inspired leg drop with the dustbin lid on his uh, on his rear end, but but missed the target. And then we saw the great wrestling logic of where because he missed it hurt him, but had he landed on on Sags with the exact same thing under his uh, hiney, that he, he would have been absolutely fine. Yeah. So we now got oh the cameraman's now taking a bump. As you do. Yeah. He's back up again. He's hardcore. <laughs> he should be in the match. Dressed as Johnny Grunge, dressed as Brian Nobbs. What would Nick Patrick should be dressed as someone? Yeah, he absolutely should. Oh, B- Bischoff is now selling the danger of it and saying to the uh, to the director, "Shoot this on a wide lens. We don't want anyone hurt at ringside." And you know that's actually that's actually not a bad shout, just to <laughs> kind of emphasize the danger of this match. I, I quite like that. Good idea. Still popping the crowd big with his bumps. Hobbs Ooh. just hurled Rocco Rock into the guardrail from the apron. It's, it's, it, it just watching this just makes it such a shame they couldn't deliver something of this sort of energy and pace and stiffness at, at Bash of the Beach. Ooh. But the dog collar's not going to help, I suppose. But it was just a long, meandering match, wasn't it? 
yeah, it kind of didn't go anywhere. And I mean, this this is the, yeah, you could say this is the same kind of thing, but I, I know exactly what you mean. There is there's more of a, an energy there. I, t- I think what it is, is that with this, it feels more like there's a genuine rivalry between them. Whereas I think when it got to Bash at the Beach, I don't know if it's because they'd they'd fought each other a number of times by then, but Bash at the Beach just felt like going through the motions. This yeah. feels more like a fight. Well, I guess we're going to find out about this feud, aren't we, Dean? Because I, I can't remember it particularly well myself, I'll be honest. No, I, I can't... M- myself much but you know you said it earlier and you're absolutely spot on this is a natural pairing of these two very very similar teams just one more established than the other oh it, it looked like about, sorry i was just saying it looked like nobs was gonna ram grunge into an upright inverted side of a table like the legs first but yeah, they, I always felt that. Oh, they they ducked out of it, and he just went head first into the into the flat side. Because mm. I was going to say, though, people people think and talk talk a lot about you know the hardcore brawls, the matches that Public Enemy had in ECW with with the likes of you know uh, gangsters, Bruce Brothers, Eliminators, whoever it might have been, but. You know, in 1994, the Nasty Boys were tearing up in, in WCW against Cactus Jack and Max Payne and Kevin Sullivan and, you know, a combination of those three. And and they were great matches of of that hardcore genre. And it's what turned them babyface, which is kind of sort of what they're the role they're in here, even though they're all just like brawling so it's hard to tell if there's an actual good guy but they turned face from all those great 94 brawls i remember when they they went side by side with dustin and dusty Rhodes in war games and it's, it was a really cool team to go mm. up against a stud stable at a time when war games got really watered down and some of the matches were naff they were mm. nowhere near yes. as good as the late 80s early 90s but the 94 one i thought was the best of a bad bunch yeah Definitely, and um, what I, what amused me there as well was that um, Nobs went for a pinfall on um, Grunge, and the referee wouldn't count it because Grunge's foot was on the ropes. It's like out of all this rule breaking and using weapons and whatnot, and the referee is still maintaining the law and order of the uh, the rope break. Well, as long as it's not falls count anywhere, he's right to do that because people get confused about that. But at the end of the day, if it's no disqualification and someone puts their foot in the rope, who's going to get disqualified? Yeah. It doesn't It doesn't trigger disqualification. It just makes a pin illegal. If Now, uh, Heenan's saying about falls count anywhere, but I, I don't even remember if they said what the rules of this match was. Basically, if it's falls count anywhere, then there's no point doing rope breaks. But if it's a no-DQ match, but you've got, a, you've got to win it like a wrestling match, then, yeah, yeah. a rope break on a submission or a pin counts. You've got to remember, win it properly. Oh, I don't remember them saying if it was Falls Count anywhere. And given that it's WCW, they probably didn't. And, well, Grunge went for a, a, a leg drop off the top rope through a table. But Sags moved. And then, opportunistically, Nobbs dives in and gets the pinfall on on Grunge for the win for the Nazi boys. And, and they're still fighting now. And it, it definitely has has a feeling of you know a a genuine um a genuine grudge between them so you know at this point in the feud it feels real as opposed to like i said at bash at the beach where they were going through the motions yeah i mean because they are a, a natural rivalry because they are some of the better proponents of this style when they actually like get the energy in like they have on this episode um, oh, they got the, we're going to get a drive-by from... They did, just did their drive-by thing where they dive onto each other and onto Sags, putting him through a table. So, yeah, this feud must continue. But as long as these matches deliver, you could you could have these guys feuding for God knows how long. But as we know, with retrospect, Bash at the Beach 96 was just a dreary mess. So that's the point where you're like, right, diminishing returns, get the hell away from it. Yeah. So here we go, just seeing the replay. Nobs dodges the table dive and Sags pulls Rocco Rock out seamlessly at the same time and that leaves Nobs to pin Grunge, who, by the way, did you see the number on Grunge's jersey? 
69. Nice. <laughs> and uh, we just get a replay of that almighty clobber with the rubbish bin at the very beginning of the match. It's right. So you said about that being the way how they cue their opponent yeah. that they're doing it. I have to ask you, is that is that why some some wrestlers who perform a blindside attack, like when they put their forearm into their back, is that why they always make those weird grunts? Like, oh, oh while they do it. Like yeah, an audio yeah, cue as well. Yeah, because if, if you know, someone's attacking you from the front, you will obviously sell it because you can see it. But I, I have had very early on in my managerial career, before I was clued up on that, I remember hitting someone from behind, not touching them. And because they didn't realize it, they didn't sell it. And it all looked a bit daft. So, yeah, just you, you just make sure that you always uh, you always hit, hit them. See, some, see Austin Powers had the right idea. That's why I'd always loudly say judo chop. <laughs> Well, we've uh, we've had the the music, but it, of uh, of what I thought was going to be Lord Stephen Regal, but it is actually Earl Robert Eaton with Jeeves, who I do, who's got a very good Jeevesy type face. But I I do <laughs> I do seem to remember that this man Jeeves was also the man who was inside the suit of Wildcat Willie, if you remember that mascot. <laughs> he he's also wearing a barrister's wig because British. Yes. You, you know, because you you might as well stick a cup of tea on him as well. <laughs> oh, he's going up against the Macho Man, isn't he? Yep, that's the Macho Man's music. Well, you know what I'm going to ask you next, Liam? Are we going to follow the Macho Man Nitro formula? I mean... I can't, I can't see Macho Man making much more effort than that for someone of Robert Eaton's stature. But if we remember that this is Bobby freaking Eaton under a gimmick, if anyone could easily just go out there and wing a, an amazing match with Macho Man, it's him. But then yeah. Macho Man was always a meticulous layout and advanced kind of guy. So Plus, if... Um, if- if Eaton is going to get the lion's share of the offense, then that's going to be good quality offense. Yep. Sold well by Savage. Slickly yep. delivered. And then, whoops, mischarge, axe handle, elbow, good night. I was just about to say, for those who uh, may not be familiar, what is the Savage formula? But yeah, you just hit it. It's, it's, it's the, the heel dominating the match until, until there's a miscue of some sort and Savage just slips in with the big elbow. It's it's been commonly referred to, but when other people use it, I think I've heard a lot of writers refer to it as the semi-squash, half-squash, where is the Savage would basically sell non-stop like he was being squashed, but he would end up taking the finish. So mm-hmm. maybe a reverse squash is another uh, name for it. But yeah, because we see it on these Nitro watch-alongs so much with the macho man being the one who utilizes it. Yeah. It's the savage formula. Okay. So here we go. Match has started. Savage on, on the offense to start with at least. So, so Eaton is, is like Brad Armstrong and one or two others in that he is so universally liked and trusted in the ring. And he's, respected. and he's so proficient at what we've referred to on this podcast as the, the mortar to the bricks of wrestling. They will find whatever gimmicks they can to keep him heavily involved on, on a weekly basis in the mid card, in the tag team ranks, where he can always be relied upon to deliver. Yeah, because he'd, he'd had a bit of a barren spell. Because obviously there's the, the Midnight Express. They then split. He had a... a a TV uh, a singles run with a TV title reign. Then the Dangerous Alliance came along, and he was you know featured prominently in WCW programming. They kind of you know they broke up four years after this, and and he'd really I mean he he'd not had anything massively of note from those those four years beforehand. Mm. Had he from ninety two to ninety six? I can think of. I'd have to I'd have to look it up, yeah, but I can't I can't remember him doing much post uh, Dangerous no. Alliance. There's a Fred Flintstone cosplayer in the audience. 
And Savage has been thrown over the top rope behind the referee's bat while Jeeves was distracting the ref. And now Savage is selling and Eaton is in charge. And I think the formula is clicking into place. Yeah, the the other traditions in in your typical match, such as the feeling out process and babyface fire, where the good guy gets a lot of the early offense and frustrates the hill. Uh, those two areas lasted all the 30 seconds apiece. So the fact that it's gone so quickly to the hill taking over on Savage suggests that this really will be a uh, Savage Formula match. But I just went to add, everything we're saying about Eaton's style, if he was an English professional footballer, Sam Allardyce or Neil Warnock would totally sign him, wouldn't they? Oh, God. The sort sort of dependable hand that they want, basically want for every team they play and they manage like a different team every season what's that oh Eaton's got a horseman (laughs) t-shirt and he's waving it at Savage whilst Savage is in a figure four leg lock which is not a smart thing to do for a wrestler who's known to thrive on his insanity who is already (laughs) controlling quite handily he's basically giving him the team talk that will lead the Kumkut back to put another football in reference in there But now that's a bit odd. Savage has broken the uh, the figure four hold, and he gets up before Eaton does. But I guess yeah, look, he's he's now Savage has gone crazy basically because of that horseman t-shirt and an eye gouge, a body slam, and I've got a fit. Oh no, he was going to go for the elbow, but Jeeves has pulled him pulled him off. Not like that. <laughs> Boy, he did, he did pull off his wig, and uh, it made me realise how much Jeeves looks like Harry Redknapp. <laughs> more football references more we're, football we're doing references. great it, it makes up for I, the fact that this is pretty disjointed and very disappointed by these guys standards yes, even for a TV uh, match I apologise to our our American listeners who may not know what the fuck we're talking about even those in Wisconsin Dean even those in Wisconsin because there are a couple big elbow there it is not quite out of nowhere, but nobody gets up from the big elbow, apart from obviously Hulk fucking Hogan. So it was a bit A to B, but it was also a bit all over the shop, wasn't it? Well, it was, it was quick it, at it least. Kind of, it, told, it told the story of, of Savage being beaten up and then being riled with the horseman t-shirt, flipping his lid, and there he goes, beat, he's throwing the referee down as well now. Oh, I think he might be getting disqualified now. He's going for oh, another yeah. elbow. So, yeah, this is pulling across the fact that Savage has gone crazy. Yeah, um, I, I I believe that there is a point in time where he gets suspended. Maybe this is it. Hacksaw, Jim Duggan, a couple of other low-carders oh, are out. Hacksaw, Jim Duggan, Alex Wright, and someone I don't recognise. Yeah. They they stood in the way so he couldn't connect with the elbow and he dove anyway and they he he won the game of chicken they all parted like the Red Sea but now they're holding him down. He's being handcuffed. I didn't realise security had the uh, the the power to do that. Never question the authority of Doug Dillinger. It makes you feel what sort of kinky bastard Doug Dillinger is to just carry around a pair of handcuffs, considering he's not authorised to do so. He's Doug Dillinger. I remember when we saw him at a WCW show, he had what looked like a never-ending bucket of chain. I have no idea why he needed a bucket of chain, but he had it. There wasn't a chain match on the card, was there? No, it was just a chain in a bucket. Yeah, that confirms it. Doug Dillinger is one kinky dude. Oh, that's hard work Bobby Walker. I knew that because he's got hard work written down the side of his tights. Is that one of the wrestlers who ended up having a brush with the law after those things? No, that was hard body Harrison. Ah, that's the confusion. Who was, um, yeah, basically pimping out women. And I think I think kind of like some sort of like modern day slavery type thing. Um, yeah. Yeah, pro pro not, wrestling, not, it attracts the classiest, doesn't it? Exactly, yeah. So we've got an advert here for uh, the new new look WCW magazine. 
Yeah, they've they've run this one a few times with Sting yeah. morphing into a child, complete with the I, same makeup. Yes, I don't remember. Um, I don't remember that version of WCW magazine being available in the UK, whereas the uh, the previous one with the the WCW logo in a diamond was uh, one that obviously was available over here, and and I I got uh, some bits printed in a couple of times over the years. So that's the Nature Boys music. Indeed. And Bischoff is putting this audience over, how the uh, fans have been on on their feet for the whole show. Here comes Flair with Woman and Elizabeth back again. Second match of the night for them. Still in leather. Just, just if anyone was wondering. So yeah, is, still in the same outfits that they wore earlier. This is Flair and the Giant, and uh, these two battled a couple of weeks ago for the world title, in which Flair made the Giant look like the man. But apparently they're, they're buddies here. Well, I think this is the uh, this is the start of what has been a feature of Paul White's career of flip flopping between babyface and heel and people not really knowing what the hell's going on. Oh, is that Deborah McMichael? Yes. This is becoming a weekly thing, isn't it? Yeah, Flair chatting up Mrs. McMichael. <laughs> so we're, you can see where we're leading to. I believe this is for the Great American Bash. We've got slam breed to come, but they're they're starting some storylines, which is why we're suddenly remembering the feud with Flair and Savage that's dragged out a bit. It's, they, they do that a lot, don't they? In this early Nitro area, they'll have a feud, a storyline going. Sting and Luger are coming out. They're another example of this. They'll kind of peter out of what they're doing. And then a couple of weeks later, they decide, we want to reheat this, stick it back in the microwave. Mm. So, Luger has been just plain babyface the last couple of appearances. But they did ask the famous question, what is up with Sting yes. and Luger? Which means well, they're paying attention to it again. Well, as, as um, Luger did his double bicep pose, he nearly elbowed Sting. And I don't know if that was a genuine accident or if that was a superbly timed faux mishap. <laughs> if it was the latter, all credit to Sting because that was impeccable timing. Yeah, they kind of laughed it off like fun-loving baby faces, very John yeah. Cena-esque. Yeah, but Luger, Luger is looking like proper baby face as opposed to pretending to be baby face when Sting is looking. And Sting, by the way, post being bleached blonde surfer, but before going jet black crow, he looks yeah. ginger tonight, Dean. What is, I was going to ask, what is going on with his hair? Yeah. I did not realise that the stinger had a ginner face. <laughs> He's I the ginner stinger. Around, I don't know if it was, uh, it was long enough to call a phase, but we'll have to see what he's like next week. But yeah, that's definitely, uh, I reckon that's, um, that's maybe trying to dye some blonde hair a bit darker and it's gone a bit wrong. I don't know. He's just a walking bakery today because he's got the ginger nut up top and his face paint looks like a cherry bakewell. And he's really overdone it with a spray tan today as well. Well, here we go. Flair v. Sting again. I'll tell you what, actually, all four of these men, it looks like before they got into the arena and they became enemies in a tag team match, it looks like the four of them went to the the spray tan salon. They are <laughs> all particularly so. lobstered up on, on this, on this show. And all the same, the same uh, shade as well. But that might explain Sting's hair. Actually, maybe he forgot to wear the cap. Ah, yes. That might be the issue there. There we go. Sauced it. And that's not face paint. That's sunburn and cherry bake covered up. Yeah. And cherry bakewell. So here we go. We know exactly what's going to happen soon. Because <laughs> Flair and Sting can wrestle each other. There's the press slam. We knew it would come. Shall we start counting yeah. them again? 
<laughs> yes. Whoa. Oh, nice. Drop kick, single leg drop kick to Giant. Where the camera, I don't know if you spotted that, but the camera accidentally shows a big cluster of seats that are empty. And he's thrown, he's thrown Flair onto the Giant, who just throws him back in. <laughs> and now Luger is in doing the, doing the uh, muscle pose. And it's press slam number two. Two! And Flair again is depositing <laughs> onto the Giant. And thrown back in the ring. Not the most supportive of partners, it has to be said. Okay, this is quite funny, to be fair. Oh, this is vintage flair, isn't it? And he's now chopping his tag team partner. You think he's he's watched the macho man get hauled out in handcuffs. You'd think he's safe from danger. So what does he do? He attacks his seven-foot-tall, 500-pound tag team partner. Yeah. He's no stranger to the danger, is he, Dino? <laughs> Definitely no. Now, what's up? Now, hang on a minute. We've now gone to a commercial break. Now, we're back now. We went to a commercial break rather than counting out Flair and Giant, who had basically fucked off to the back. <laughs> I always thought that if that happened, you administer a 10 count, not go to a commercial break. But clearly the rules have changed, Liam. But promise me one thing, Dean. If you ever take on ring announcing duties again and you're there to call a result via deliberate countout, please say, and the winner via the opponent fucking off, fucking to, the off back. to the back. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so it's been comedy match so far. It's, it's been Flair and Sting doing their routine, Luger and Sting doing pretty much the same routine, some funny spots with the Giant and some overall craziness. Sting and Flair, they've got r- kind of new looks today, but it's the same old wrestling match between them. Not even oh. necessarily a complaint either. Okay. As, as many times as you, you see it, you can still never get bored of watching Flair v Sting. It kicked off the Nitro era and it ended the Nitro era and they played those hits about 30 times in the interim as well. Yes. One of the uh, questions on the WCW Monday Nitro round on the Hooked on Wrestling quiz a few weeks ago. Every Sunday night, 8pm UK time, folks, on uh, the Hooked on Wrestling Facebook page, I am a sometimes player and an occasional host. It's good fun. But don't worry, everyone. You won't always be expected to uh, answer questions about WCW. You don't oh, no, have to a, be as sad as us to win. It was a special for Nitro Week on Indeed. Hooked on Wrestling. Uh, Mongo's complaining about these two Wildcats getting involved on the outside. To clarify, as usual, woman is cheating rampantly. Miss Elizabeth is stood there wondering which of her two facial expressions to employ. Did she applaud as well? I'm not sure. I'll have to go back and check. That would be the headline, wouldn't it? Also, have you noticed how Elizabeth's jacket makes her look like, a little bit like an East End pearly queen? Oh, thanks. I was really enjoying Liz in Leather, and now you've ruined it for me. Good, thank you. As an exiled Cockney, I do not want to think about bloody pearly kings and queens. <laughs> I've never understood what the hell that's all about. I, I don't understand a lot of logic that emanates from East London, to be fair. Fair enough. West Luger Ham is... United. Yes. You know. In the East End. What the hell? So, Giant is now in the ring with Luger. The match has got more serious now, but um, Luger is uh, basically being thrown quite literally from pillar to post into one corner to another by Giant who now tags in Flair. And yeah, Flair and the Giant are writers right now, as per the storyline's necessity that the Horseman and the Dungeon of Doom fall out and make up again every 15.47 seconds. I've known couples like that. Yeah, there's a margin for error, but roughly every 15.47. Yeah. But Luger has wrestled this match Absolutely pure babyface. Yes. 
He's now in the figure four, and unlike uh, Robert Eaton, Flair's not dangling a horseman T-shirt while applying a hold. <laughs> yes. He's missing a beat, if you ask me. But he is getting help from woman on the outside. Excellent. I suppose that assignment was also too difficult for Elizabeth. Yep. And there is a woman again helping out. Oh, she's been caught by Randy Anderson. Liz has wandered off to uh, to protest as well. Nice. There's, there's always a, a spot I always appreciate. Trying to get the pin with a figure four. Mm. Another flare staple there. He shoved the ref and got shoved back. Yeah. Sorry, the referee is uh, Nick Patrick, not Randy Anderson. You were pardon. hoping it wasn't Nick Patrick, weren't you? I was, yeah. At least he sold the shove, okay? You never have to... Uh, oh, yeah, that's true. I was not... He didn't have to take a bump off it, you see. I wouldn't have put it past him to have blown that, but no, he did all right. And it's press slam number three, but this is on Luger by the Giant. Still counts. Yeah. And now the very simple move of just walking on Luger like a doormat, as uh, Heenan says there. Yeah, I mean, the Giant has proven he can hop the ropes, he can drop kick, he can do some really impressive stuff, but sometimes you might as well just take that route and do the step on the opponent because it looks incredible for a man of that size. So you might as well do it. Yeah. And, you know, Eric Bischoff hasn't been lying here. This crowd have been hot the whole the whole show. It has been a good crowd. And with the exception of that nauseating stuff at, at the beginning of the show, it's been done with a lot of energy. Even Savage and Eaton, which I personally, I, I, I just thought it was a bit lousy for what they can uh, provide. At least they kept it brief and they hit the notes mm. of the story. It was brief and inoffensive, as opposed to the Hogan match at the start of this show, which was brief and offensive. Yes. Here's the stinger. And again, crowd, big pop. And a fourth press slam. A lovely drop kick. Mm. I know. I know. And the... Second cameraman bump of the night. <laughs> I know the prerequisite these days of drop kicks is to get that flip afterwards and look really majestic. And I love those drop kicks as much as the next guy, but I always appreciate Sting's drop kick. He just go up on his side and pump both feet into the opponent's chest. Classic drop kick and a lovely superplex. Right, Sting is now going for the Scorpion. Luger has cut the giant off from uh, from making the save. Liz is now distracting Nick Patrick. And woman was just about to, woman was just about to get in the ring to throw a coffee at Luger. Luger ducks and Sting's taken the coffee in the face. Luger now getting choke slammed. So are we now are we now building up tension between Luger and Sting, and a big choke slam for Sting as well. Giants running rampant over everyone. That was a really lousy way of trying to do dissension because you can't really blame Luger for dodging hot coffee being thrown at him. No. In, in that sort of moment, how you... <laughs> Flair is trying to cover Sting and insisting on getting a referee to count. And they're swinging at Nick Patrick for not counting. And now doing the strut. <laughs> I do love Psycho Flair. Oh, yeah. But yeah, you're right. It is a natural reaction, funnily enough. If someone's about to throw coffee in your face, knowing, you'll duck. Yeah, knowing that time is running out on the storyline anyway, and given that they've, like, from the booking perspective, they have ignored it for a couple of weeks, and they've lazily shouted, oh, what's up with Sting and Luger again to reheat it? And they've done that and tried to build dissension off of it. I think I'm I'm ready and willing to call it on the story. I think we've seen the best of it, and it's going to go. Yeah. Without any real conclusion or payoff. 
you know, what you really wanted to see was was Sting finally realizing that he's been had. As uh, Bobby Heenan's just been handcuffed. Why? Hang on. You asked about Doug Dellinger. Why has Eric Bischoff got a pair of handcuffs on him? Well, Heenan had them for some reason, and Bischoff pulled a fast one and tricked Heenan into putting his arms out to. I don't know what that was all about. I suppose they finished the last broadcast, which was two weeks ago in real time, with the April Fool's gag, didn't they? I suppose they're trying to all-American wrestling this, but they're not Heenan and Mean Gene with a end-of-show gag. It's not really working. Or Heenan and Bobby. Heenan and Gorilla, rather, on on primetime. That was the best. Yes, very true. So um, that brings this episode of Nitro to an end. Thumbs, I would give it, you know, on the pass fail, I would give it a, a, a weaker than usual pass. It I mean, squeaked it, didn't it? It, really, yeah, but, it absolutely squeaked it. And I think a lot, a lot of the things we would gripe about, there's only one f- thing that was a con rather than a pro that really was, oh, this was bad. It, I wish I didn't watch it, which was that Hogan bollocks at the start. Yeah, the other was... stuff is, you know, micro-analyzing the Sting Luger storyline. Yeah, they're being a bit lazy. Uh, Savage and Eaton were quite lazy in the ring, which is not like them on on a good day. But it's, it's, it's nitpicking, and it didn't actually lead to anything actively bad. So, yeah, on a pass foul, it gets a pass. If you were grading it, it would be a it'd be a mediocre grade, wouldn't it? It'd be a C minus. Yeah, and looking at the actual official results of this, that that Nasty Boys Public Enemy was a false count anywhere match, despite the fact that no one made a pinfall attempt um, outside of the ring. In but, which but case, hey. you're spot on. The uh, the the rope break shouldn't have counted because if falls yeah. count anywhere, that includes in the ropes. But there is such a premise as a no disqualification match. But, you know, you're relaxing the rules because there's hatred and intensity and there's no point trying to... And the the other line is the fans want a finish, that you want to deliver a decisive finish for the fans. But the idea is, is to win the feud, you have to beat your opponent. You are still both wrestlers, even if you're wrestlers that hate each other. You have to win the match. And And that is the way you get one over on your opponent. Definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, just to, uh, just to say what was going on, um, on the, on the other side of the fence as such, um, on night, now night, nitro. Sorry, that was on raw. It was a, um, it was a taped raw and, um, we had, um, Mark Merrow beat Leaf Cassidy, Steve Austin beat Bart Gunn, but then the big match was that Savio, I don't actually remember this happening, Savio Vega beat Goldust to win the Intercontinental title. Yes. Uh, but moments afterwards, um, it, the call was disputed and ref, uh, WWF President Gorilla Monsoon vacated the title, ordered that two of them compete in a rematch to be held next week, which is I on the same taping, and Goldust regained the title. Yeah, I remember that. It's, it's similar to whether or not you want to acknowledge that Dolph Ziggler was world heavyweight champion that time. It's just a little thing they do to carry on the story, I guess. But most people don't really recognise Savio as a former IC champ, do they? No, I, I'd have to say that they um, they most definitely do not. Um, interesting. But um, what we also had um, on that show as well, which, which will... Um, will come uh, come into uh, effect with with Nitro was that there was an in-ring interview with Vader in which he announced he'd be facing Razor Ramon at the In Your House show um, that happened um, a little while later. What was I'm just looking at what the date of that was. It was that was April the twentieth, so a couple of weeks away. In Your House number seven which um, indeed had um, Vader beating Razor Ramon clean in 15 minutes. Sending um, him packing. Yeah, and Shawn Michaels beating Diesel in a no-holds-barred match for the world title. That was a good match. That was actually a really good main event, well, to be fair. A forgotten so, classic. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so that was they were the, the last pay-per-view appearances in the WWF for... Um, 
for Razor Ramon and Diesel, I do believe. They're on their because, way. Because, uh, yeah, they're then, they're then wrapping things up in the WWF, and they are coming across to WCW, and things will never quite be the same again. <laughs> Indeed. Can't wait to follow it all. Yeah, now next week um, on Nitro, we have got a... a uh, what what I think on paper looks like a really strong show. Um, we've got Public Enemy and American Males in a tag match. We have um, got Jim Duggan and Meng, which um, you know they're two guys you can wrestle each other in their sleep. Eddie Eddie Guerrero and Chris Benoit, which is always a treat. And then our main event is going to be all titles are on the line when the tag team champions of Sting and also TV champion Lex Luger take on world champion Ric Flair and the giant who doesn't appear to have a title and so therefore is the one who stands to gain the most um, in in a, a tag match with uh, Jimmy Hart, Elizabeth and woman all at ringside. So um, we'll see, have to see how that one plays out because that could be complete WCW logic or, um, or it might not be. But Yep, hang on a sec. I've got a feeling, ladies and gentlemen, that uh, that uh, distraction might be Liam's Chinese takeaway arriving. Yes, it was. So we, uh, well, what, what a way to uh, what a way to wrap the podcast up. So um, on that note, ladies and gentlemen, as Liam prepares to dive into his chicken chow mein, uh, on behalf of him, this is me, the Twisted Genius, saying thanks for listening, and we'll see you ringside.